Dr. George Olcott, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. I know that you've looked at mergers and acquisitions in Japan. Can you begin by telling me why Japanese companies don't engage in much cross-border mergers and acquisitions? Yes, thank you. Um, It's curious. Uh, Japan is um, the world's second largest economy in terms of GDP. Uh, and historically, um, they have not uh, not just uh, not done much M and A cross border mergers and acquisitions. Uh, they haven't done much investment overseas uh, in relation to the size of the economy, uh, and foreign companies have not much uh, invested much in Japan in relation to the size of the Japanese economy. FDI flows. This is a statistic for 2007. Uh, outbound um, flows represented only two percent of the GDP of Japan, uh, and out, uh, inbound flows only represented 2% uh, of GDP flows, compared with um, the United Kingdom, where inbound uh, flows represented 45% of GDP, and outbound flows represented 53%. So the size is very small. Isn't that surprising, given that we think Japan is a big global player on the world business stage. And, and do you think perhaps it's cultural factors which have led to this reticent? Yes, I think cultural factors uh, are very important uh, in this. Um, if you look at the, um, uh, the nature of the Japanese organization and the employment system uh, that developed in the post-war system, um, they are very insider-oriented. Uh, People join the company from university or from high school and stay until uh, the, uh, the end of their careers. And uh, it's very difficult for Japanese organizations to uh, uh, absorb people from the outside. Uh, so even within the domestic context, you don't get very many uh, mergers taking place. And when they do take place, you get a situation uh, such as the current, for example, Nippon Steel, uh, which is a result of a merger in 1970 between Yawata Steel and Fuji Steel, and which is now uh, the world's second largest steel company. But for the last 38 years, you've got a, a president, a CEO of the company, that's rotated one after the other, one from Yawata Steel, and then the next one has to be from Fuji, ex-Fuji Steel. The next one has to be from the old Yawata Steel. And the current CEO is the first one who has broken that mold. So these kinds of uh, uh, considerations, a very equality of uh, merger of equals and so on, are very important in the Japanese merger context. Well, then have people learned lessons on how to solve these problems of cultural difference yet? Well, um, uh, you know, your first question was about uh, looking at Japan and, and being surprised at the, uh, at the lack of um, overseas uh, investment and, and M&A. Uh, in actual fact, if you look at a company like Toyota, where the, um, uh, the key to success is really in the manufacturing process, uh, there are... Uh, the, the same uh, uh, sort of cultural issues that are there in Emma do not uh, occur because what you have for Toyota is uh, excellence in manufacturing. So what they need to do is uh, replicate the same manufacturing process that, that's been so successful for them in Japan uh, and take it to uh, the United Kingdom or France 
uh, or um, or the United States. And so long as they keep making better cars than General Motors, Ford, Renault, and so on, uh, they will continue to be successful. But uh, when you come to M and A uh, in areas such as food, pharmaceuticals, uh, but particularly something like food, if you take the example of Kirin Brewery. Um, it's not the same issue for them uh, to take uh, a, a successful uh, manufacturing process in Japan and, and uh, taking it uh, to the UK or to France. Uh, the big investment that's required, for example, in beer is in the brand. Um, and you have two companies, particularly InBev and, uh, and SA Brewery, who over the last 15 years have been very successful uh, in, um, in uh, acquiring brands on a global basis Kirin Brewery, which in 1990 was the fourth largest beer company in the world, is now down to number 12. Uh, and this is um, uh, through this is really because of cultural reticence, uh, the the problems of overcoming culture uh, in acquiring brands. So people might look, or the Japanese companies might look anywhere in the globe, really, to find role models that they can copy, rather than just copying their own industries and what's happened. They have to look outward rather than inward to see how to progress in the future. That's absolutely right. Um, and that is, and we're beginning to see that. Uh, Kirin, as I mentioned, uh, has not been uh, aggressive during the last uh, 15, 20 years. But in the last year, we've seen them make two major acquisitions, uh, one in Australia uh, and one in the Philippines uh, in the beer business. Uh, the company that I um, am associated with, uh, being a non-executive director, Nippon Sheet Glass, was um, a, 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 by a long way the second uh, player in the glass market in Japan after Asahi Glass and did not have scale uh, and was in a shrinking market in Japan, uh, had to do something um, in order to survive. And uh, in 2006 acquired Pilkington. And Pilkington has uh, had a long history of overseas expansion uh, had a presence in all the markets uh, which uh, Nippon Sheet Glass didn't have a, a presence in, which were growing, such as Latin America, Eastern Europe, uh, and India. Uh, and through this acquisition, um, managed to establish a presence in, in all those markets uh, and catapulted themselves into a top three position alongside Asahi Glass and Saint-Gobain, France. But we haven't seen um, uh, enough Japanese companies uh, having the courage of their convictions and making these very bold moves. But the ones that have are undoubtedly players on the global stage. And just recently, we, we've had the, the financial success of Nomura. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think it's a bit too early to say whether uh, Nomura uh, and Lehman uh, is a success. Uh, but for Nomura, uh, exactly the same um, uh, conditions applied. They are very successful in the domestic market, but had not been successful in establishing a franchise overseas. Um, and uh, along came Lehman. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them, uh, and I think they've, uh, they've seized it very boldly. Uh, I think there will be enormous cultural issues, uh, not just a corporate culture, but I do think that national culture does uh, play a, a strong role uh, in, uh, in the integration process. Um, but I think that they are making exactly the right moves in both terms of pay and also integrating the two brands uh, for the employees of both companies. 
That's uh, right. They they kept the employees, didn't they? You know, that was one of their bold moves, not to replace them with their own staff, but actually to continue much with the same. Absolutely. And this is, an, uh, this is a key benefit for... Uh, this is why Nomura bought Lehman, because they, they, they lacked the, those kinds of people. Uh, and for Japanese firms to start thinking of the, uh, of the human resource base as being a global one uh, is a critical change in, in the mindsets of, of Japanese uh, of management. Uh, so you have, for example, in the case of, uh, of Nomura, the head of global uh, fixed income uh, is now an Indian uh, located in Japan. And in the case of Nippon Sheet Glass, one of the most remarkable stories was of, uh, of the factory manager we appointed last year for one of Japan's largest automotive uh, glass factories, who was from Brazil. Uh, and uh, he came in last year. This is a, um, a business that's, uh, where margins are very thin, and he made some very bold decisions, uh, which we think Japanese managers probably could not have taken and has really turned the business around and done a remarkable job and has now had a, had a big promotion. And, uh, you know, I think the Japanese management also admit that th- this is a, a real eye-opener for them uh, and would not have happened under the old uh, Nippon Sheet Glass regime. Dr. Olcott, one of the things that strikes me is that the, the diversity of the industries that you're mentioning in Japan, from banking uh, to brewing uh, to, to what you said, uh, sheet glass... Are there lessons there for other countries like uh, China, India, Korea, in the sense that you know Japan is coming back? Well, I think there's two things. One is, as you say, Japan is coming back. Japan is still the world's second largest economy. The yen is very strong. Uh, share prices are down, and this does represent an, uh, you know a marvelous opportunity for uh, Japanese firms to. Um, uh, fix the problems that they haven't mon- managed to fix over the last uh, 10 to 15 years and establish a real presence through M&A. I think the other lesson is that, um, uh, is that there are, uh, for uh, companies uh, who uh, derive, derive from countries uh, where you do have a closed uh, employment system, where you do have a very uh, closed culture, uh, where you have language problems, and I think that probably applies to Korea and may well apply also to China, uh, that there are uh, significant difficulties uh, in integrating um, uh, culturally distant uh, institutions, uh, com- companies from, from, the, from uh, countries like the United States and the United Kingdom. Um, but if you think through uh, all of those issues and understand the rationale uh, for making these acquisitions um, and make a real uh, effort to integrate uh, on an equal and fair basis um, the employees um, uh, of uh, the other company. I think you can have a, a huge success. Dr. George Olcott, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you very much.